0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good morning. Y'all awake this morning. I have to say, as we get to sing together, it is one of my delights to hear all of us filling this room. And as we were reminded this morning, filling up the heavens with our worship this morning. Uh, We've been talking about the kingdom tapestry, and I encouraged you last night to collect the dots before you. We got five people who remember that. We'll try it again. I reminded you to collect the dots before you because God's picture of God's kingdom and who God is is often so much bigger than we know. Anybody I gave out the handout to last night, anybody do it last night? didn't fully. What did we get? What did you get? I got a boat. A boat? You, can you hold it up for us? Paper. Huh? Is this paper? Can you hold it up for us? Now everybody wants to see what it became. It's the boat on water. on water, right? Maybe if y'all want, you can go see it. But remember, last night it just looked like a whole bunch of dots, right? And this morning, what I'm going to do is give you some more dots to connect. To understand and know and see how big God is and how vast God's kingdom is. I read the scripture last night. I'm going to, again, read it for you a number of times over the week. And it's Ephesians 2.10, which says this. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's another dot I want to give you. Paul writes this. We are God's handiwork. And I encourage you last night that if it's hard for you to fathom, to receive, to believe that you are made in God's image and created by God, you are God's masterpiece. I encourage you to believe that last night. But here's another dot to add to that. Paul wasn't writing these words to a person. He was writing these words to a people. So he wasn't just saying to a person, you are God's handiwork. He was saying to a whole group of people, you are together God's handiwork. If you think it's hard that God could work mightily and beautifully through you, can you fathom how God can do that through a whole bunch of us together? How does God take all these messed up, flawed people and make a beautiful masterpiece You see, when we put these other dots in it, God becomes so much bigger when we connect it and see the image. When I was your age, I I had a few dots that I connected to tell me who God was. And I would just say at a young age, I was super duper duper involved in church. I love church. I sang on a choir. Anybody here have ushers at your church? I was an usher. I was a young adult leader. I started preaching at 16. I did all of these things as a teenager, and I had to admit that there was something that I really struggled with. I struggled with my identity. I told you part of my name. I didn't tell you my whole name. My full name is George Adam Hopkins Jr., which means that my father's name is George Adam Hopkins Sr. My dad has not been in my life for most of my life. So as a teenager, when I'm connecting the dots and I'm reading the scriptures about this good and loving father, the dots did not make a clear picture for me of who God was. And If anything, the dots that I connected at a young age was that God's kingdom was small. And maybe God was small because I felt like so much in my world was shaking all around me. I don't know if anyone, but I do know this. I've been in the ministry long enough that there is someone here that at least feels that. God, the problems of this world feel so big. Are you big enough to address them? You've told me that you are my loving father. Then why would you not have a father in my life to show me that love? When I was your age, when I connected the dots, God seemed small. If anything, my shame felt larger. Years later, 2015 to be exact, my dad would come in my life, thank you. Can y'all hear me now? My dad would come in my life every few years. In 2015, he came back in my life and we connected again. And those are hard decisions of me saying, do I want to still connect with this guy who has my name but he's not around? I built a relationship with my dad, and he ended up taking me to a family reunion, which I was like, I don't know if I want to go to that. (laughs) If you got problems, guess what I also think? They got problems. I go to this family reunion, y'all, summer of 2015. There's like hundreds of people there. And then I find out that so many people in my dad's side of the family are pastors just like me. Now I'm connecting these dots even more. When I thought God was small, I'm realizing that God is big. And even though my dad wasn't in my life, that God was still doing ministry through people in my family, including me. I had the same calling that many people in my family had, even though I didn't know it. God went from this big to Then after the family reunion, they sent me a packet of our family history, which again, I was ashamed of. I read this family history, and I learned that one of my ancestors, a woman, was the first black midwife at Johns Hopkins Hospital. I thought I was this big when I connected the dots. And then God gave me more dots, said, George, your, your family beyond just your dad, here's some more dots for you. George, your family, beyond those who just even lived, those who came before you, here's some more dots for you. And the more dots I was able to collect and then connect them, God became so much bigger and my shame began to shrink. I want to show you some moments in scriptures where the dots get really big. And as I do that, I wonder in your life, I wonder in your life when you connect the dots and they tell you, that God is small. I wonder as you hear how God works through this family in the scriptures, how you might see God working in yours. I just wanna start by saying this. Well, you may have heard me say this morning about my, my story and my family is, my family is a hot mess. I'm okay with saying that. George Hopkins is a hot mess. I don't have it all together. I'm okay with saying that. But my encouragement is that when you hear the story of how God worked through this family in the scriptures, you'll say, if God can work through those messed up people, guess what? God can work in my life. Last night, we talk, I told you about a guy named Abram and his father. His father had packed up his family to leave, and he was supposed to go to a place. Anybody remember what place he was supposed to go to? Canaan. He didn't go there. Instead, he stopped at this place called Haran, and he, what, what did he do in Haran? What did he do? He settled. And it says that he died there. What the scriptures tell us is that then when he died, God gave the exact same call to his son, Abram. He told Abram, Abram, leave what you know, leave the place you're in where your dad died and go to, anybody want to guess where he told him to go? Canaan, right? So Abram, though, has a different response. He doesn't know what God is doing, but he doesn't know how all the dots connect, but he knows that God is so big. If I just walk one dot, one step at a time, God's work will become clear. So he leaves and he begins to go to Canaan. We're not going to jump to Canaan yet, but I just want to read a verse from you for Genesis chapter 12, verse 8. It says, from here he went on toward the hills east of Bethel. And Abram, he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on Abram the name of the Lord. So he's in this place where Bethel was on one side, Ai's on the other, and he built an altar. And an altar is a place where we offer a sacrifice that we can connect with God. So in many ways, some people would say, I am standing on an altar here because before I stood up here, there were many people who came up here and their offering to God was their voices, was their hearts in worship and they lifted up their hands. For some of us, we might say, the place that I made an altar today was in my seat as I worshiped God in spirit and in truth. It is a place where people offer sacrifice and offering to connect with God. So here is Abram, not knowing how all the dots will connect, but trusting that God will connect all the dots and he's walking and he has an altar that he builds in Bethel. That's a dot. Y'all holding on to that dot? Abram built what? Altar where? Abram built what? Where? In Bethel. Those are dots. It's going to connect. Stay with me. So here's what. Abram has no idea what's going on. He does it. He's just following God. So as he's following God, Abram gets old. He dies. When he dies, he has a son who's already named Isaac, and Isaac wants to have kids. So Isaac... Praise, and he's now his wife is pregnant with twins. Anybody a twin in here? Uh, Triplets, so triplet siblings? Are they younger? They're all older than you. I'm interested in hearing how that goes. Another show of hands. Who here is a firstborn? Okay. Now keep your hand up if you're firstborn and you have a younger sibling that bugs you. I saw extra hands go up. You can't put extra hands up for that. Oh. <laughs> all right. So you're going to see in this story that there are similar things that are happening. So Isaac, his wife is pregnant with two sons. They're twins. And it's such that they're wrestling inside already. Before they're even born, they're wrestling for who will be the firstborn. Because the firstborn get all these privileges. Those who raise your hand, did you get some benefits to being the firstborn? Yeah, right. So Esau, remember this name, Esau's the firstborn, and then his twin brother Jacob. Esau's the firstborn. Now Jacob is like that little brother who loves to just follow you everywhere and bug you. Y'all don't have and nobody knows what that's like, right? Huh? If your siblings here, don't raise your hand. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Y'all know somebody done did it. Younger siblings are amazing. All right? But Jacob, so Jacob does this one day. Esau, is he's the firstborn, so he gets a lot of benefits from being the firstborn. He actually gets something called his birthright by being the firstborn. So Esau is out hunting. He comes back from hunting, and he's hungry. The scriptures say he is famished, and he gets to his brother, and Jacob's in the house making stew. Remember we talked about our favorite dishes last night? Let's just say Jacob's favorite dish is stew. He's making lentil stew. And Esau comes in, he's like, younger brother, I am so hungry. Give me some of the stew. And then he's like, oh, you that hungry? Are you hungry enough to give me your birthright? Isn't that crazy? That sounds like some younger brother stuff right there, right? And then Esau is like what does it matter about my birthright if I'm dead please give me stew and then Jacob's like oh just promise me I can have your birthright as the firstborn and then Esau's like just take it and he eats stew and sometimes I read this moment in scripture and I read this family I get mad there's a part of me that wants things to be right like how could you do that to someone but Jacob did how do y'all think Esau felt just give me some words how did Esau feel in that moment cheated mad somebody said hungry No longer hungry, right? He's probably content. I hope that lentil stew was good. It better be good. It gets worse, y'all. It gets worse. So then at some point, Isaac, their dad, he's getting old. It's going to die soon. The Bible says that his eyes were weak, which means he couldn't see that well. And what you typically do is you bless your oldest son. As he dies, he, as you die, he can keep carrying on. So Isaac's mom goes, this is how messed up family is. Listen, y'all, my family's a hot mess. Their family's a hot mess. Maybe yours is perfect, but God works through broken people. So it says that Esau's mom goes to Jacob and says, your dad's going to bless your brother. Why don't you act like you're your brother to go get the blessing? Isn't that crazy? So Jacob goes and he does it. He goes to his dad who's old. His dad can't see who he is, but he thinks that he's his oldest son and he gives him the blessing. Esau comes in and he's mad. And he's like my little brother again. And he says, you took my birthright and you took my blessing. I'm gonna grieve my dad. But after I grieve my dad, I'm gonna get you. You never chased a sibling around the house. Never, right? You've never, you never would have done that. I see a hand here. Yes. Jake, he asked a good question. Why did Jacob's mother do that? I, I, Jacob's mom. Jacob was probably the favorite. Families, we all broken. We all have issues. We're going to see all that mess. What I encourage you is you connect these dots, which is a good question. As you connect these dots, what you might notice is I see those same issues in my life all around me. Right? And it's hard to fathom that this mom would do that to her oldest son. But she did. And then the brother Esau's mad and he's chasing Jacob. And I want you to hear this, that Jacob is now leaving. He's running away because his older brother can't take it anymore. And this is where I want to read from the scriptures. I want you to connect some dots. I want you to connect some dots so you can see how big and great and wonderful God is. I'm going to read a number of verses. It's going to be Genesis chapter 28. I'm going to start with 11. This is Jacob again. And just listen to this moment of Jacob's life. It says he left. He was running away from his brother because his brother was so mad. He had taken his brother's birthright. He has taken his brother's blessing. And it says when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending, going up and down on it. There above it stood the Lord. And the Lord said, I am the Lord the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. Just pause right there. Do y'all remember what Jacob just did? Do y'all remember what Jacob just did? And God encounters Jacob instead of saying, hey, Jacob, you know how messed up you are. He says, Jacob, I am the Lord. Here's my big plan that I have. I'm going to do all these amazing things. I will fulfill my promises. So in verse 16, it says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Jacob just connected the dots. Verse 17, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so early the next next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it and he called that place what? Bethel. Where where, where do we hear Bethel before? Where, who? Oh, we, we're, we're going to get to Bethlehem. Where do we hear Bethel? Just a few minutes ago. Yes, his granddad Abram built an altar in a place called? Now, did Abram know that soon he would have a grandson who did a lot of horrible, horrible things, would be running from home and would find himself in a place called Bethel? And when encounter God, when we began to connect the dots, we would see that Abram's offering, Abram's faith, blessed his grandson. There are pictures on those back walls. And when you leave here of RVR, this very place, it was no concrete. You feel that concrete floor? It's like dirt. It's pictures right on the wall back there where people came here and created RVR and began to worship. You could you fathom that they had no idea that generations later you would be sitting in a seat you're in right now? We have no idea how God is working in such big ways beyond just us. And so, when we know that and we see the kingdom and how it all interacts with each other, then all of a sudden we realize that God is willing to meet us in our brokenness. And this is where I want to end and I want to encourage you in. Jacob is running because of his sin. Jacob has stolen some things from his brother. Jacob has deceived and lied to his dad, and he's running from the consequences of his sin. I know this doesn't mean anything for anybody here. You've never had consequences that you ran from, right? Huh? And as he's running from his consequences of his sin, as he's running and he's broken, and as he's running away, he encounters God and God says, I am the Lord. I've been doing something amazing and I want you to see it. My question to you this morning, where do you need God to meet you and your brokenness? Going back to my story, this is what God did for me in my life when I was filled with shame and thought God was small, when I thought there's no way that God's working in my life, God paused and said, George, not only am I working in your life, I've been working in your family for generations. And if you would just allow me to redeem you and allow me to work through you, the small things that you think don't mean that much will actually be used for big and good. George, there are more dots to connect what I'm doing in your life. How do you need God To meet you in your brokenness. Just like he met Jacob. What if when those pictures, please look at those pictures when you leave here, when they built RVR and thought, this will be great for us, this generation. What if they had no idea that connect the dots, that there would be one day where you would be in your seat right here on Saturday, February 5th, where you would encounter God in a profound way, in your brokenness and in your sin, and that your life would never be the same. Is that possible this weekend? Is God big enough in his kingdom to work in such a profound and big way that God would meet you and your brokenness and already knew. Here's what ball, here's what fat blows my mind. Y'all ready for this? And I'm going to leave y'all alone. Y'all ready for this? Could you fathom when people could have been here 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago and they're like, I don't know why we're putting concrete. We were okay with the dirt floors. I guess we'll put concrete. I don't know why we're putting lights up. We are okay with our lights. I guess we're going to do it. And they had no idea that you would be here in your seat, not only here, but knowing in your heart what the questions you have and the brokenness you've had and the sin you had. But God said, I need you to do it because there will be a day and he knows you by name will be here and they will wonder where I am. They will think that their shame is too big for me. They will think that their sin is too big for me. They will think that their pain is too big for me. I need you to build this place specifically so that this person by name can be in this seat today and I can meet them in their brokenness. What I'm hearing, what I'm saying to you this morning is what if today isn't I'm here searching for God? What if today is about God searching for you? What if God knows all that you've brought here, though you think you're hiding from it like Jacob did? What if you think you're running from your sin and don't know where you're going and all the while God in his kingdom plan said, I've been waiting to meet you here today that sin, those wounds, that shame and that brokenness. I wanna meet you in the midst of it. What if this is the day? Lord, your ways are so much higher than our ways and your thoughts are so much higher than ours. You know every story and every name of every person in this room. Even those things that people might not know now when we look like we have it all together or we look like we know all the answers. Lord, you know the questions we're asking you. You know those things that feel overwhelming for us. You know the disappointments. You know the pain. You know the sin. And Lord, you possibly and all the big glorious dots of connecting the big picture of your kingdom As we're running from so many things, Lord, may you encounter us like you did, Jacob. That this will be a place that you already had in mind. That we will see you for the fullness of who you are. The majesty of your will. Lord, the the richness of your love. And the invitation of your forgiveness and salvation. No more hiding, God. No more running, Meet us, not in our perfections, but meet us in our brokenness. All of us, today, in this moment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.